they have a good a week at the Rio Gallegos and the fishing was not so good. So they decide to send the clients to do a um, exploratory trip to a new place. And Gabriel asked the gaucho if they let him in. So they went and fished there. And when they came back, they came with pictures and, and they just couldn't believe it, what they saw. Uh, Christer say, well, don't say where this place is. Typical mysteries in this business. Let's call it Jurassic Lake. That was Charlie describing the clandestine start of Jurassic Lake. Heading to Patagonia today on the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how's it going today? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. We're in the process of adding some more uh, content to the Wet Fly Swing Member Society. If you have a chance and you want to join the, uh, the society, head over to wetflyswing.com slash members and, uh, and you can get started and test it out. Kick the tires for free right now. Charlie, the owner of Jurassic Lake Lodge, shares the story of how he found himself at the helm of one of the most well-known destinations in, uh, in Patagonia and around the world. We hear about how these fish get so huge, how to deal with the wind, and the work Charlie put in uh, to make this place accessible to U.S. anglers uh, and beyond. Another destination to add to the bucket list today. Before we get started, let's hear from our sponsors. OPST's rods represent decades of dedication to sustained anchor two-handed casting. A rod reflects its designer, and these rods are a true illustration of Skagit Master Edward's vision. The Micro Series uh, from 3 to 5 weight comes exceptionally close to single-handed specs and is proving to be a unique tool for trout and smallmouth anglers. Head over to wetflyswing.com OPST to check out the lineup right now. That's wetflyswing.com O-P-S-T. Angler's Coffee roasts a full range of coffees with one goal in mind, delivering excellent coffee to every single angler. And I'm one of those anglers who's been loving Angler's Coffee. Great tasting, robust, and good to go. They just released a new subscription program, and you can get 20% off this box and all products at anglerscoffee.com. Just use the coupon code WETFLYSWING at checkout to get 20% off of great coffee today. That's anglerscoffee.com. Without further ado, here is Charlie from JurassicLake.com. How's it going, Charlie? Hi Dave, how you doing? All good on this side. Good. Uh, yeah, I was I was kind of uh, gonna call you your full name, uh, Carlos, and I didn't want to mess with the last name, so to, to mess it up. So I'll just I think Charlie, right? Everybody calls you Charlie. Everybody calls me Charlie. It's Charlie Lopez Casanello. I know yeah. it's it's hard for you to to say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll try. Casanello. Casanello. Is that close? Yeah, something like that. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> All right, perfect. Um, so we're going to jump into uh, Jurassic Lake is probably, I mean, I, it's got to be one of the biggest names that's that's uh, we hear about, you know, uh, from these destination trips. Um, and it's because of, I think, a lot of things, right? You got huge fish and it's this amazing place. Uh, we're going to get into that. But just tell, uh, tell us how you first got into fly fishing. Well, I don't have a story of starting as a kid, you know, uh-huh. the story of my father taking me fishing. Because nobody in my family likes to fish you know so i i was the only one and you know living in the city i i was born in, in buenos aires so it's a big city there are some places to go fishing but you know 
I didn't have too many chances as as a, as a kid. You know, just I had my rod, but my father really never took me fishing. So it was like uh, discovering it by myself. You know, like maybe when I was 15 years, I started going fishing by myself and met some friends. And when I was 18, around that, then I, I met a guy who was a fly fisherman. And I used to watch, you know, some, some, some TV shows. And uh, I didn't know what, what fly fishing was about. You know, was, mm-hmm. I never saw a fly before. Then I saw this guy and I met him and we started talking. And he really, really introduced me into, into the fly fishing. And it was great, you know, from there. And I never stopped. No kidding. So, so, so around 18 in that range and you go for it. Like when you got going there, I mean, a Jurassic Lake obviously is a place we're going to cover. Um, but what about other fish? Mm. I mean, is there, is there fishing all over the place down there in Argentina? And, and is it pretty easy to just get out and go fishing? Well, I mean, th- it depends on where you live. You know, Argentina's very big. So usually you, you do some local fishing and it depends on where you live. If you live in Patagonia, of course you have trout fishing all over the place if you live more in the north, for sure, for sure, you have a a good river with some nice golden dorados there. Oh yeah. If you yeah. live in if you live in BA, there are not so many chances for fly fishing around. But if you travel like an hour, then then you fish for some good good fishing for dorados and some other fishes. So I mean, Argentina is a great place to live as a fisherman, you know, because there are so many many many. Uh, places you can go so i mean so many good fishes some good sizes uh, amazing species so it's really one of it's a dream place for for somebody who who likes to to, to fish yeah know? yeah totally yeah fishing and and just outdoors right i mean that's one of the attractions people heading down oh, the yeah. south right i mean what is that for somebody to uh, you know that hasn't been there can you paint that picture to to what Argentina is like for just from the outdoors perspective? Yeah, I mean, you have, um, you can go to the north and it's like at some part, it's like a desert. It's more similar to Bolivia. You know, it's very high. So there are a lot of things to do there in Jujuy, in Salta. There are also some, some good rivers in Salta to fish for Torados. Um, more close to Brazil, it's like a jungle. Okay, it's, it's, it is a jungle. It's mm-hmm. closer to the Amazon jungle. And uh, in the middle, you have Buenos Aires, where it's more, what, it's more a step. Um, you have some very rivers to fish there for dorados and all, other species like pejerrey, which is not so popular on, on the fly, but it's a very attractive fish. That's perhaps the most, uh, the most popular fish in all Argentina is pejerrey. Oh, how, um, do, how, do you, uh, how do you spell that? <laughs> uh, it's pejerrey. Rey is king. Peje is is comes from fish, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's it's a kind of king fish. It ain't that big. I mean, it's very it's very attractive to fish. You don't you can fish it on, on you can fish it on the fly, but it's not the most popular way to do it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's very attractive with live bait to fish and, and awesome. It's an awesome fish, and it's all over uh, Buenos Aires, you know, the state. Hmm. So it, that's. That's perhaps I don't know eighty percent of the fishing in Argentina is is for pejerrey, you know. Even gotcha. and if people don't know that, you know, everybody thinks that it's about trout fishing and dorado. But no, um, 
Hmm. I mean, we hmm. all do that, but imagine that 60% of the population lives in Buenos Aires, meaning that the closest fish, is the fish they have is, is for pejerrey. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, and if you go south, you have all Patagonia. You know, Patagonia is uh, is huge. Is you have desert, you have mountains, you have glaciers. Um, I don't know. It's hmm. it's my favorite place in the world. I guess it's Patagonia. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, and I'm I'm hopeful. I haven't been down there yet, but it's been a place I've been wanting to go to for a long time. You know, and just I mean, I love fishing, obviously, but I mean, just the outdoor. You know, just getting out there and seeing you know the whole thing and the mountains and stuff. And that's that's what's cool about it. You know, when you think of Jurassic Lake, where it's at, uh, maybe you just talk about that Jurassic. Well, before we get to what what Jurassic Lake looks like, tell us how you came to be where you're. I think I mean you're pretty much running the show there at Jurassic Lake, right? Well, I. In fact, you know, I, I started in this business. It was a casualty. You know, I, I had, I used to have a, a filter factory. I used to produce uh, industrial filters. Hmm. That that what I did for many many years. And I was an angler, just like anybody. And I, and I used to go to a fishing club in in Buenos Aires. It's a very popular, old. It's the first fishing club in in South America. And. I met a guy there who, who is owner of Simane Lodge now and used to be also owner of La Zona. That's Marcelo Perez from Untame Angling. Oh, and yeah. yeah, and he showed me some pictures. He just went to Bolivia for the first time and came back and showed me some picture of the, of the jungle, of the dorados in clear water. You know, we, are, we used to fish for dorados in, in dark water, you know, dirty water, not, not in clear yeah. water. You can... In Argentina, you can just fish for dorados in clear water in in Salta and Esteros de Libera, and that's it. You know, there are not so many rivers. Mainly, the the Paraná is 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 huge and it's is dirty. So, mm. so just seeing a dorado in clear water, you know, I, I got crazy. And I say, <laughs> well, Marcelo, need somebody to join your team. So, I ju- I was I just sold my company prior to that. Of, I went to Germany to work, and when I came back, I sold my company and I was free. and And Marcelo invited me to join the team, and that's the way I started this business. You know, um, it was a casual, just after a conversation, and that was in, I guess, it was 2010. I guess. Yeah. Uh, so I worked at Untame. Um, we had Jurassic, the Roche, fly fishing. We had another destination in 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 Patagonia, another destination in in the Rio Rigoshen. It was called Farren Rivers. Now it's called War End Lodge, which is also an amazing destination for Siran Browns. Oh yeah. And and then I quit. I started my own company in 2013. I kept La Zona with my partner. We both bought La Zona Lodge, which is a destination downstream uh, the Salto Grande Dam at the Uruguay River. It's a place for, for huge, huge, huge Dorados. Hmm. Um, and then I started a conversation with Gabriel Tornu, who is who was the owner of Jurassic Lake, you know? Yep. And he wanted to sell the company, so we get to a deal. And, I, I mean, I, I was... I always dream 
dream about going there, you know, fishing there. And in fact, my the first time I went there was just visiting the place, you know, in order to make some business. So, and that was 2000, yeah, that was 2013. And yeah. well, we got to a deal and, you know, the place was, was a, a camp, you know, it was the old uh, loop camp, you know, the Jurassic Lake loop camp. That's right. the first location in the area. So, so, you know, it was in the middle of nowhere. The, the fishing was amazing. It was something that, I mean, it's really, really unique. But logistics were terrible. And, but I was used to, you know, in, in, in Untamed Angler, Angling, we, we used to manage, you know, complex logistics. So it was not something really hard to, to figure out how, how to make that better. So, so we get to a deal and then... I put my foot on Jurassic Lake, you know? That's it. Yeah. And then, so that was 20, 2013 and now we're, uh, you know, eight years later and it's, um, you know, since then, I mean, what, what has changed? I mean, did you, have you done some different things at the lodge or is it pretty, pretty similar to what it looked like back in 2013? Oh no, it's completely different. You know, when I took over that place, it was a camp, but, um, a few years ago, People used to li- used to sleep in tents, you know. That's the way mm. it started, and then they built a small construction with some four tiny rooms and one toilet and one small kitchen and one small living room, and that was it. Then that that was the way I took it. Um, and ar- also arriving to the lodge, it used to take like eight night hours, you know. Uh, oh wow! Driving, yeah, driving on the, over the volcanic plateau, so it. People used to call it the road to hell, and <laughs> it was really the road to hell. <laughs> so it was really, really tough. And so, so we started building roads. That's perhaps the most expensive thing. The, the biggest investment we did was in roads, also an airstrip. Now we fly directly from from uh, Comodoro Rivadavia city, so we have a charter flight. Oh wow! Besides that, we also built all the roads, a bridge over the, the Barrancoso River that we had to cross. That was also a nightmare because when the river was high, we couldn't, we couldn't cross. Mm. So it's very, it was also dangerous. And I built a new lodge with a nice, it was uh, with 10 rooms and you know solar power, uh, heating, everything. It's, it's a very, it's not a luxury lodge. Mm-hmm. But, it, it, getting there, getting all the materials to build and everything was really a challenge. So it's very, very comfortable and it's on the best location. I mean, it's, it's, it is right at the mound of the Barrancoso River, which is, <clears throat> I guess, the best fishing beat in the whole world. It, you can see it from your room, you know? Oh, wow. It's a, yeah, it's a great location. You know, when, when the guys that, um, discovered this place they 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 fish all over the place and of course the, the best spot was was this estancia that that i rent and and this is what and the fishing there is what everybody expect when they when they think about jurassic lake hmm. <clears throat> hmm. yeah that's, that's really so basically you took the place from 
you know, like you said, a camp, uh, just a camp with tents, which seems kind of amazing because of the wind and the weather, but you went from that and now you actually have a lodge so people can, and fly in. So when people come down, they, they fly into the city and then they can just take a charter right over literally to the lodge. Is that the situation? Yeah. 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 The is is just 15 minutes away from, from the lodge. So it's, it's about one and a half hours flight and then 15 minutes to the lodge. So wow. we, I mean, you depart on Saturday morning and at noon you're fishing. So it's small. Before that, it, it, it was eight hours drive. Okay. And yeah, only wow. for three, three, 50 kilometers. So, but the, the, the slowest part was inside the, the Stancia, you know, inside the ranch. It was really, it wasn't a road. It was just a path over, over yeah. stones. I mean, because of, besides of the airstrip, we needed to build the lodge, the, the airstrip there, sorry, and the road because of the logistics. Yeah. Imagine that, you know, getting everything there because it's, it is really in the middle of nowhere. So it was tough. So now we can, we can drive with our trucks. It's, we have only five hours drive to Calafate and five hours in, in Patagonia is nothing. Oh, it's really, right. really, yep. yeah, yeah. Like going to the supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I had a few, few more questions on kind of the history that we might get into a little bit later, but let, let's just take it down to the water and talk about the fishing. Cause I think that's what, you know, most of the people you hear about these huge fish. Can you talk about, um, maybe just take us to the lake and, and, and is Jurassic Lake, uh, I guess it's Lake Strobel. Is, is, is that the, that's not the only waterway, right? Are there other fishing or is that the, is that the main one you guys target? The name of the lake is Strobel Lake. You know, everybody calls it Jurassic Lake and it is, in fact, our brand name. It's not the name of the, of the lake. And we are happy about it, you know, because our brand became very popular. And even if people are confused, um, it is a marketing success, you know. Yep. Yep. And besides the lake, you, the lake, you have, there is only one river. That's the Barrancosa River. And that's the only river that flows into the lake. There is, the lake has, has no outlet. And you have also another small creek called the Moto Creek um, that runs only in the early season. That's uh, October, November, maybe to mid January, and that's it. Um, and you have some, and the lake is surrounded by a lot of lagoons, you know, and hmm. most of them they have trouts. Um, some of them have really, really big trouts, but we really don't fish those lagoons so much. You know, we mainly fish. Uh, base at the lake the mouth and the river you know the river is uh it's about 40 kilometers long that's i don't know yeah. 27 miles or something like that and 95 percent of the of the river runs inside our property so we really have a, a lot of water to explore during during a, a full week which yeah. is our standard program um and around Jurassic and around the, the lake, there are some other lakes close close to there, like the like the Quiroga Lake and the Capitan River. And if you go south, you have the, the Gallegos River for Siran Browns, and you have the Santa Cruz River where you have king salmons and steelheads. Um, I mean, the area is amazing. I mean, we, sometimes I, I, I take my truck and I drive like, like, I don't know, 300 kilometers and I cross 
three of the best places in the world to fish. I mean, Jeez. the Gashigos River is awesome for sea runs. I mean, the 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 Santa Cruz River it has a very short season for steelheads, but it's, it is the only river in Argentina with steelheads, and I guess it's the only river in the Pacific in the Atlantic with steelhead. That's what I heard. Oh yeah. And and then you have Jurassic Lake, so that's only I don't know three hundred kilometers away, and that's it. Gotcha. So that's South Patagonia. No? South Patagonia is different than North Patagonia. Everybody, when they think about Patagonia, they probably think about San Martin de los Andes area, you know, the mountains and the trees and beautiful scenarios and fishing for uh, brown trouts, brook trouts and rainbows. Mm-hmm. South Patagonia is different. It's more extreme. It's extreme is the weather, but also extreme is the fishing. So it's a kind of, it's perhaps right now the situation is that it is a different public that goes to South Patagonia, you know, than the than the people who goes to North Patagonia. Uh, I guess because it's perhaps it's because of the weather, you know. I'm not sure. In the south, it, it is windy. It is more cold than in the north. But I mean, f- the fishing is unique, you know. It, it's the best fishing uh, in all Patagonia for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys are in, so you're in South Patagonia and, and the fishing. So that is the one thing you have the weather. Um, and then, and the fishing's unique just because you have, is it mainly because these fish are so big, these trout are, I mean, and how big are the, are these fish? Well, I mean, in, in, uh, in the strawberry lake, um, and at the river, especially in the lower section, you can find, you know, we catch every week, a few 20 pounders wow. and the average size is about eight to 10 pounds. This is insane. It is insane. And numbers. And I mean, it's not just about the size, you know, I mean, the, the lake is okay. I mean, you can fish all, all around the lake and it has some, some nice trouts, but usually you catch one, two, three a day and that's it. But as closer as you get to the mouth of the Barragosa river, um, that, that's what really makes it different. That's what everybody expect when they come to Jurassic Lake. You know, it's, um, the mouth, the lower section and a, a bay called Cochinos Bay, which is mythical and, uh, and the bay and all the bays surrounding the, the mouth, those are the most productive places to fish. And I mean, people can catch from, I don't know, 20 to hundred wow. trout a day. Jeez. Yeah, it's crazy. It can get really, really crazy, especially in the early, that's October, November, December to mid-January, uh, and back in March and April. Gotcha. Those times, insane, insane fishing. That's a, so, so if you had to pick one time, the uh, the winter time, or, or well, I guess our, you know, down here, it'd be January through March is, is kind of the best time to for fishing? Well, it... it it is our season is very long, you know. It's a it's a seven month season, so it is different, you know. Each month, or we, we can divide the season in three. You have the early season, mid season, and late season. So early season is for those anglers who, you know, the, you always catch big fish. Okay, that that's it's not it's not about catching big or small. Um, in the early season, you catch a lot. A lot. When I say a lot, I mean, I'm not lying. It, 
it is insane. So yeah. it's it's one fish, one cast, one fish, one cast, one fish. That's Jeez. usually that. Of course, you can have bad days. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it is fishing. I'm I'm just talking about you know normal to good days. Um, if you come in the late season, late season is more for those anglers who like steelhead fishing. You know, yeah. Maybe you catch less, but, but when I say less, maybe. Another 20, 25 trout a day, but big. You know, all of them are are good size and chrome and strong. Mm. And because we have a second run in April, that all those chromers they run into the river. So that's that's my favorite part of the season. And and in, in the mid the mid season is it can be from you know February to um, mid March. That's when when the rivers it's on the lowest it's the lowest water level of the river, you know. Mm-hmm. So fishing gets more technical. It's more dry fly fishing. It's great for dry fly fishing, uh, but you need to be very very precise on your cast and use uh, thin tippets. So because trout get really really spooky. So that's another great time to fish. You know, so it, it depends on what you want. You know, if yeah. it's, uh, it, I, you know, we are all anglers, but we like different things. So the good thing about, about Jurassic Lake is that we have different things to offer. You know? yeah. Also different waters to fish. And, and the, it is about, I guess it's, it is about the whole experience. You know, it's, it's the place and, and the guides and the stuff and, well, everything creates an experience that, that people really, really enjoy. And now let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. With more than 40 years of experience in coffee, the Angler's Coffee team roasts a full range of coffees with one goal in mind, delivering excellent coffee to every single angler. That's why they've released a brand new coffee subscription program made just for you. Just visit anglerscoffee.com. Provide your coffee preferences, your mailing address, and how much coffee you drink in a week, and they'll take care of the rest. There's no obligations or hidden fees, just great coffee delivered to your front door. And I've been using and loving Angler's Coffee, and I am a coffee fanatic and have tasted uh, bad coffee for sure. Angler's Coffee is definitely great coffee. I've been enjoying it. Um, it's as good, to be honest with you, it's as good as, as I've had <laughs> that I could remember. And that's pretty awesome saying uh, since I drink a lot of coffee. So uh, join me in supporting a great company who supports great coffee, fly fishing, and conservation. As part of Angler's Conservation Alliance, Angler's Coffee donates a portion of every sale to help conserve and protect our wild natural habitats and fish species. Right now, you can get 20% off your first subscription box or gift box. Simply use the code WETFLYSWING at checkout. Just visit anglerscoffee.com and get 20% off your first subscription or gift box using WETFLYSWING at checkout. That's anglerscoffee.com. Okay, now back to the show. So that's it. So when you go down there, you're going to get the similar like lodge experience. You're going to stay at a lodge. You guys have, um, I mean, it's, do typically, typically people have guides and they do that whole process down there as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, the service is, is a full guided service and it's all waiting and it's usually one guide per two anglers, depending on the beat. Sometimes some beats we do with three anglers 
and we rotate all all the beads so everybody has a lot of chances to fish during 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 the week um and we are so close to to the main beads that that and, and imagine that in the summer in our summer uh days are very long so there are a lot of fishing hours like the sun goes up at 4 a.m and hmm. it goes down at 11. oh wow okay so, so people get up and go fishing and then they come from breakfast and maybe they catch five trouts after <laughs> before breakfast <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome and uh, just to be uh, clear now so you have the lodge and, and the lodge is not on uh, actually on uh, lake strobel right or strobel lake uh, it's it's off is it a few minutes away or how's that work oh no no the lodge is right at the right at the at the lake oh it is it's, oh it, yeah it's there it's right at the lake and at the river. It's right at the mouth. Oh wow! Yeah, so you're you're yeah. right there. Okay, so I, I was watching some I, maybe some older stuff uh, that was there, but yeah. So I think I was watching some videos or something on it. But yeah, you guys are right there. So people literally, you can just jump out and start fishing. Oh yeah, it's uh, I don't know. You you walk you walk a uh, hundred meters and you're fishing. Oh, That's wow. it. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Those, those are the those are the main bits. Then of course we have fifteen kilometers of of shoreline of the Strobel Lake with some great bays and we have 40 kilometers of, of the Barrancosa River. So, yeah. and also the <clears throat> So, gotcha. but our program, is, our program is, we set our program with the, with the guest. You know, we try to decide where to go fishing with the guest to see, well, you want to do a full day on the upper section of the river, we go and we do an asado there. Uh, I mean, the, the river, it's, it's really, really long, and some parts of the river we never fished before. Mm. We, nobody ever put a flight there. Amazing. <clears throat> that's crazy, yeah. So there's, there's space to explore, too. Gotcha. So that, that that's really exciting. So basically, you could go there, and you, you have guides, um, but you could also go off and just say, hey, I want to fish this section of the river and just kind of go off on your own and, and just start kind of uh, having well, a, a, yeah. Mm, no, we don't do that. I mean, no. we said with the guy what, what we do is is we have a rotation plan okay so if you want to wake up early in the morning and you want to go fishing okay to those main beats that are around the around the lodge you are able to go but you go to your beat that the beat oh, that gotcha. you have your day okay so and that that's the way we work because you know we we like people to people come here to fish and have a great time and we try to don't stop that you know to allow people to fish as much as as they as they want as they want yeah gotcha gotcha okay that makes sense um so right now i guess we're we're kind of in mid-march so if you were down there fishing today what's that look like down there how's the uh you guys getting some wind down there (laughs) is it uh (laughs) i guess that's the one x factor right is is the wind it sounds like it can be it can get a little windy but just break that down for the as a something that people hear about how how bad does the wind get and then is it that big of a deal or how do do you work with it well we we always say you have to make friends with the wind (laughs) and it is not just our place i mean all, all south especially south patagonia is very windy um you can expect to have like in a week three windy days you know that's you yeah. can you had you had to expect to have that you know and but you need wind you know when when it's it, when it is very calm fishing get tough all right it, it ain't that 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you need wind, but not so much. You know, yeah. just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But it can be really windy, really. Like uh, the windiest day I was there, um, it was like a hundred miles. Oh wow! Wow. Yeah. Like almost like a not quite a hurricane, but some pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but usually um with you can expect to have like from 10 miles to I'm yeah. I think miles. Yeah, but, miles per hour. But, yeah. Yeah, um 30 or something. Maybe like that. 30. Yeah, 40. 30 like yeah, 30 is a kind of oh, it is windy but you're still able able to fish. No yeah. no problem. And and we have we are lucky that our location it's you don't face the wind you know in, of course in some base you you have to face the wind but most of the places you have you have some wind protection or the winds blow blows on your on your yeah. back or on your side so we really just those those days that the wind is so strong that i mean it's, it's even dangerous to go outside I don't know. Ninety-nine percent of the days we are fishing, yeah. we're fishing. We almost don't stop. But of course, I mean, you need some 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 casting skills to mm-hmm. fish uh, on the wind, in the wind. And you know, we, this place was very popular with European anglers, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Swedish, and and they really know how to cast in, in the wind. So. So they have some great techniques, and our guides they also know those techniques, and they they try always to teach guests when it when it is windy on how to cast in the wind. I mean, once you learn it, one once you get used to it. Yeah, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's it it is not impossible. Yeah, it is not. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I hear you. I think. I've been around quite a bit of wind too. And sometimes, you know, it's a lot of times wind isn't blowing, you know, it's more gusty, right? So sometimes maybe you could wait till yeah. a, a gust stops and then make your cast. And, and, and what does yeah. that, yeah. What does that look like when you're like, as far as the fishing? So you're on the bank, you're casting, um, maybe talk a little bit about like what gear you would bring down there and then what, um, you know, how that works as far as fish. Are you casting just really long and then stripping in or what does all that look like? Well, um, we always recommend to bring a seven or a weight rod and floating line. That's it. No, we don't use sinking line in the nice. bits we we fish. <clears throat> so flies, the kind of flies is same classic uh, trout flies. Of course, we have some some special patterns. Our guys this, they love to design some patterns, but mainly it's it's a classic uh, trout yeah. flies, you know, pattern. But you had you, have, you need to have good hooks, okay? Very strong hooks. Mm-hmm. You buy those, you know, uh, Chinese uh, yep. flies; they will bend or mm. break for sure. So you need a. a, a, a it, it is not about the pattern; it's, it's mainly about the hook. Um, yep. The main food in the lake is is scuds, so we also use scuds to fish and dry flies big dry flies in in early and late season and tiny dry flies on in the middle season sometimes streamers they were they were good um but many dry flies and nymphs and and 
and some terrestrials that yeah. they don't works really really good gotcha um, yeah yeah though and and always use and bring a four-way rod to fish on the mid and upper section of the river uh also with with floating line and that's it i mean mm. and that complicated yeah so okay so yeah it's pretty straightforward so basically just if you if you do some lake fishing, you probably just bring your normal lake boxes or whatever, and uh, you know. Um, but it sounds like yeah, you're either kind of down fishing nymphs, maybe like a or leeches. Do people fish all that uh, like uh, fill roll, the balance leech stuff with um, and woolly buggers and stuff like that? Does that work too? Oh yeah, yeah, leeches are working really well. I mean, we we really discovered the leeches not so long ago, you know, and they were really really amazing. Yeah, and. One thing about fishing in in the Strobel Lake is is I mean fish are big and and because they have a lot of food, so they don't have to run to to swim fast to get the food, so so you have to strip really really slowly. Mm. You know? That that's one. Sometimes it's it is the opposite, you know. But uh, most of the days. It is slowly, and it is slowly, slowliest as people think. You know, sometimes we say to the guests, "Hey, strip slow," and they're not doing it slow. No. Uh, so it is very, very, very slowly. Hmm. Um, but sometimes, you know, fish are hunting for tiny fish, and then you have to strip fast. You know, so but I don't know. Ninety yeah. percent of the time we strip, we strip slowly. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, and this is. Um... And so you have these beats, and people aren't. Uh, I know I was watching a video. I think um, a friend of mine. I think you probably know he's been down there a few times. Dennis Isbister with the Wildfish Wild Places. He. I think they brought some boats down there one year, right? Do, do people ever bring do that very often? Um, no, no. Um, we don't use boats. Um, you can use boats on some. I guess some other stances use boats okay. on, on, a, on a lagoon i guess but it is really not a place to put a boat oh it's not yeah yeah we we sorry we had a boat we had a uh, a kind of drift boat okay oh, yeah. and we use it a few times but you know it's too risky it's like in five oh, minutes it's really really windy so we said we prefer to don't use boat and even because fish are not far away from the shore so no. you don't you don't need a boat because you fish in fact sometimes you don't have to put your foot on the water that's better yeah you know so it's like well just uh, cast from the shore is more more effective than, than, that's cool. than boat that's cool I'll put a uh, I'll put a link uh, I had George cook on and he talked about fishing uh, lake fishing from the shore and I'm sure there's a bunch of tips he talked about in there that would apply to Jurassic. So, yeah, sounds like it's pretty cool. It's pretty straightforward. There's not like a bunch of special lines or rods you need. You can kind of just bring your – it's almost like I guess you bring your heavier stuff, like your, your salt water or your steelhead gear, um, and uh, and then and then that's it. Is that pretty straightforward as far as the fishing? Yeah, yeah, ain't, ain't that complicated. I mean, uh, of course, if, if you, have a, you have a balance line with your rod and – and whatever you have, you you feel comfortable to fish, especially on windy days. That's it. That's that's the that's the um, tackle you need. You know. Yeah. 
Gotcha. Okay. So basically, and you said typically when people come in, do they fly in on a Saturday morning? Is that what they do? Yeah, we, to make logistics easier, we offer four week programs uh, from Saturday to Saturday. So you just, have, you just have to arrive to Buenos Aires, take a flight to Comodoro Rivadavia. That's two hours flight from VA. And you overnight there and we pick you up in the morning, drive you to the airport, you take the charter flight and you start fishing. And on next Saturday, you will be arriving back to Comodoro at noon. So there are, there are several flights after that to fly back to Buenos Aires and from there back home. Mm. So it's now it's really easy. And we also offer some in February, after February, we offer half-week programs from Saturday to Tuesday and from Tuesday to Saturday. Also, we use the charter flight on Saturdays and we drive to Calafate, which is the closest city is Calafate, yep. and we drive on Tuesday to Calafate. So it's also a great place to, to do combinations. You know, like we also have a, our charter flight service can fly from all over Patagonia. Oh, wow. So we all. Yeah, we also offer offer private flights. Like I don't know, you're fishing for brown trout, sea browns, or something. Yeah, whatever you want to come down here for, to fish for three days, no problem. We bring you with the plane, no oh, matter wow. where you are. If you're, yeah, yeah, if you're in San Martín de los Andes or Rio Grande, Ushuaia, whatever. So, gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, because I, I guess it, it is a very good place for people uh, also to do some combinations. You know, um, Especially now, after the, the the COVID, it's like if you if you travel so far away, why don't you take a few more days and do some more fishing? Exactly. You know, that just just going to one place, you know. And yeah. and the problem about Patagonia, it is logistics. You know, if you wanna if you go into to North Patagonia to San Martín de los Andes and you wanna go fishing to Jurassic. Before this, you had to go back to Buenos Aires and from there take another plane. So it was crazy. So with the charter flight service, we can connect all Patagonia, and that's a great add-on to any any trip, I guess. Gotcha. Okay, so so you come down, and then and if you were down at Jurassic Lake or even Tierra del Fuego, so you're saying it would be hard to get a. Um, to, to get a rent, a rent a truck or something like that and just do some travel around, like stay at your lodge and then maybe spend a week just traveling. Would that be a challenging to do? Um, it is expensive. Okay. Yeah. You mean as a do it yourself in, in Patagonia? Yeah. Well, renting a truck, it, it is expensive in Patagonia. Yeah. Um, renting a car, it is more expensive than in the States, but it is possible. Distance are very long, you know, that's right. And, and another thing about doing yourself in Patagonia is that, uh, especially in the South Patagonia is that the stances are huge. You know, it's like, um, we're talking about 30,000 hectares. I don't know. I don't yeah. know in yeah, Imperial. Right. Right. But I mean, it's huge. Uh, so there are not so many access to go fishing in South Patagonia. So, so, I mean, I'm not saying it is not possible, yeah. but yeah, um, it's, it's just, you need to organize your trip before. Okay. Yeah. Talk with some people who know some landowners and I mean, people are very nice in Patagonia, but they don't like people just, just getting into the lands. 
people that don't know. Okay. No. So, but, but if you talk in advance and you get the permission to, to get into a property, no, no problem. You can organize a trip of a lifetime, you know, yeah. for sure. Um, in North Patagonia is different. You have more, more access, you know, they're not, they're not so such a big estancia with maybe half of the river, like in South Patagonia. Okay, you have estancias in South Patagonia that they they have both sides of the of the river for a hundred miles. Okay, so mm-hmm. so how do you get into that river if you don't have permission? Um, I guess it, it is possible. Yeah. But you need to, you need to talk to talk to local people, you know? yeah. And there is always there is always a way to connect with with anglers from Argentina or guides or whatever to to set a trip. Yeah, yeah. It takes some. I can see. Yeah, it just takes a lot more time logistically, and you probably wouldn't be, you know, necessarily if you had a, a wife and a couple of kids, you want to do some traveling. That might not be the best place, right? Unless you could really plan things out, sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and also distance, as I said, distance. Imagine from Calafate to San Martín de los Andes, you're talking about more than a thousand miles. Oh, wow. Wow, a thousand miles, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, and more than a thousand miles. Yeah, so that's huge. It's, it's, the distance are huge. I mean, it's a beautiful road. You know, you drive through the 40 road, and it's beautiful. And, of course, you have plenty of small streams to fish. Um but I mean, it's it's not a trip that you can do in a week, okay? So if you organize it, and and of course, I mean, if I can help, if somebody wants to organize a trip, just send me an email, and I will help him, mm-hmm. okay? But you need to take like a month, yeah, to do it. Exactly. Yeah, you need a month. Take yeah. a month. I was just thinking. Uh... Another guest we had on quite a while back, uh, Justin, he's done some traveling down there. He talked about how they do some of their stuff. And that's ex- exactly what he said. He said, don't don't come down. Don't plan a, a two-week trip. You know, give yourself a month. Because, oh, no. yeah. No, give us a, I mean, At you least. want to take two weeks, hey, go set a guide. Go, go to Jurassic, go, go, yeah. Go to a lodge or, or hire a guide, and that's it, you know. But when you do it by yourself, you need to discover and you need to talk to people and get access. Hey, now I know this guy who has a land and he can get you access to it, you know? So mm-hmm. that's the way it is. And that takes time. And most of the time you will be wasting your time and, and yeah. not fishing. And it is also about the experience. You know, that's the part of the do it yourself experience. You know, it's like discovering. Yeah. You know, otherwise just pay and go to the lodge. You know, that's what we, what we do. Okay. We, we yeah. fix your problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, you make it. You make it comfortable. That's that. That's another thing. I, I like you said. The weather. If you're down there, man. I mean, gosh, you're out there to do it yourself in a tent, and you get a hundred mile an hour windstorm. You're gonna. You're gonna be. You're gonna be. Yeah. Yeah. It. yeah. Okay. Um, I yeah. Received some emails from. Hey, what about if I put a tent? In? You don't want to put a tent. There. No. No. <laughs> oh right. Yeah, I put a tent up on at your yeah near your place. No, that's that's good. Okay, so. So I think we kind of have the gist of what it is. It's, um, you know, obviously a chance at a, a trout of a lifetime in this beautiful place. You're you're kind of at the base. And are you at the base? How far are the mountains away? Like when you're at Jurassic Lake, are you looking back and, and there's mountains that are just kind of all over the place out there? 
Well, our place, we are in the, in the middle of Patagonia, okay? So we are in a volcanic plateau. So the mountains are really, really close, like, I don't know, 70 kilometers away. You had the mountains, you had the border with Chile, okay? But it's not something that you see from, 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 from the lake or from okay. the river. But when you are on the plateau, you can see the mountains yeah. on horizon, okay? But yeah. we are not... We are, in a, we are in a volcanic depression, okay? So it's, it's a different, completely different uh, scenario. Yeah. You know? It's unique. It is unique. But, I mean, there are, there are some really amazing places to go on the, on the mountain. We, we are close to Chalten. Chalten is a, with the Fitzroy and the Cerro Torre. Uh, amazing for hiking. And also some, some, there are some good fishing opportunity, opportunities there, too. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So, and, and you said that at the lodge you can have, is it a maximum of, of 10 people per week? Is that what you have? Or do you, can, can you get more people there? Well, we, we do a maximum of 12 anglers. And yeah. it is not because of the that we have limited water access, but it is more because the, the main bits and the most productive bits, and those that's what people want to fish, that's the capacity we can offer the same experience to everybody. You know? um, otherwise... I mean, of course, for the business, it is better as much anglers as you can uh, have, you know. But if we put more anglers, me- meaning means that we had to send clients to fish to fish uh, lagoons and yeah. some banks that are not productive, you know. So p- yep. people come to our place with very, very high expectations, you know, very high mm-hmm. expectation. And in order to do our best to to uh, accomplish the expectations, that's the amount of anglers we can have. Because in fact, we have more rooms. We have 10 rooms uh, with two beds, so our, our lodge capacity is higher. Oh, it is. But 12 is, yeah, 12 is a number that we can manage well and offer great fishing opportunities. That, that's what we, we said, that number. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. OPST's rods represent decades of dedication to sustained anchor two-handed casting. A rod reflects its designer, and these rods are a true illustration of Skagit Master Edward's vision. The Pure Skagit series falls right in line with OPST's principles, a short, medium, fast-action rod that sports an extra-sensitive tip, all while maintaining a powerful lower section that's true and sure to leave you impressed by its feather-launching potential. And I've been using this rod for steelhead uh, lately and been blown away by its lightweight and and the power it packs. You almost don't realize it's in your hand. It's Seriously, it's like um, it's ultralight. So that was, you know, thinking about how to describe this thing. I think that's the word that comes back to me. Uh, I was casting some big flies for steelhead with a sink tip and a bunch of wind. And I didn't have a problem at all, even with my less than perfect uh, casting technique. So... I've been impressed with the 11-foot 7-weight, but there is a huge uh, line. They have uh, three different rods in the lineup uh, from 6 to uh, 9-weights and from 10-foot 8-inch all the way up to 12-foot 3-inch, which pretty much, for me, covers covers it all. So um, I'm excited, excited to dig into more of this. 
Targeted towards fishing large trout and up to Canadian and Alaskan king salmon, this series should cover all the bases when targeting those larger fish. Head over to wetflyswing.com slash OPST to check out the lineup right now. That's wetflyswing.com slash OPST. Okay, back to the show. Do people, is the lodge specifically, I mean, do people ever come to the lodge like more like I was saying, like a, a, a family sort of thing where they come down there and, you know, maybe a couple people are fishing? I mean, do you ever have kids there or is this something where it's more, it's just a fishing thing? Well, we, we did have some families. Um, but the truth, they're not so, even if the stance is huge and we have um, uh, pedographs, you say, uh, like stone grapes that from Indians and many, many places to go and visit. It is not, it is a, a place many for anglers and we don't, yeah. we don't have so many non-angler activities, you know, like, right. a, like yeah. a slot in, in San Martin de los Andes, you, you go to the city, you go horse, right. horse ride or rafting. You have so many uh, options to give to non-anglers. We, Maybe like Rio Grande, okay? It's South Oregon is more for hardcore anglers. Yep. That's what I think. You know, I mean, we do our best, and and the families we had, they have a great time. Um, but yeah, it's not. It is not the best place. No, I mean, there's not. It a, is not, not a ton. It's not. Yeah. When it's windy, what can we do? You know, what, yeah. what can we offer? You know, of course, we do some cooking at the lodge, empanadas. We teach how to cook Argentinian food. Oh, cool. Um, but, I mean, it is windy. It is windy. <laughs> yeah. That's that's <laughs> it. Yeah. So, it's a fish. Yeah. It's definitely, you go there, you get your chance at a world, you know, your trip, uh, fish of a lifetime, and, and that's that's amazing. So, okay. Well, I want to talk, just before we get out of here, on the history. Uh, you know, I don't know. Do you know the history of the lodge? I know... Originally, somebody brought in those fish, and was that the same person that you um, bought it from, or is that a whole different process? Well, the, the place is, it is, in fact, a brand new fishery, okay? Oh, so, okay. imagine, um, but trouts are not native from Patagonia, okay? So, rainbow trouts were brought from the States. I guess that brown trouts were brought from Europe, okay? And, and, and they have, like... In Patagonia, like a hundred years ago, and and this place started in 1994, so it's quite new. Um, before that, there was no fish in the area, but mm. mainly the lagoons. The, I mean, the biologists knew that this place was very, very productive, and the amount of food was incredible. So, so the sheep, you know, the the farms, the, the ranch in South Patagonia, they, they mainly have sheep. And there was a few very strong winters with snow. And after that, and they lost a lot of sheep. And after that, there was a volcano, the ashes of a volcano that really destroyed business. Mm. So so the, um, a company encouraged landowners to start uh, putting trouts in, in the lagoons to start up. A trout farm, okay. Yeah. So, so Angel Rodriguez, who is the owner of of the Estancia, is a gaucho from from Patagonia. He he was the one who brought trouts, and the trouts came from 
the Santa Cruz River. So those are the steelheads from the Santa Cruz River, mm -hmm. the wild steelheads from the Santa Cruz River. So he brought trouts and started um, putting them on, on the lagoons. And he just took a few of them and put them on, on, the, on the river just because he had some friends that they they probably wanted to come and fish. But he no. never knew, he never could, he didn't know what was going to happen. You know, the, 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 the business didn't work, okay, with the fish farming, didn't work. And four or five years later, trouts started to get big and they reached the lake, okay? They, oh, they yeah. went down from the river and reached the lake and they start rowing and rowing. And Angel starts seeing big trouts in the river and started inviting a few friends. So, so just a few guys came. I mean, it was tough to get there, like yeah. 10, 12 hours driving. So it wasn't really hard to get there. And you needed the permission from him. Okay. So hmm. he was not a guy from, from the fishing, um, um yeah, community or whatever. Community. He didn't okay? have a lodge. Yeah. It wasn't a setup. He wasn't working no, with yellow dog not. travel or anything. Yeah. So, so, what we what we started to hear rumors about that place, about Strawberry Lake, you know, um, but it was impossible to get there. And Gabriel Tornu was is a lawyer from Rio Gallegos, who was his lawyer, okay, and he was also the landowner's lawyer, and he was also managing Buitreras Lodge, which is in in the Rio Gallegos. It's a beautiful lodge, who is um, the owner is Christer from who was owner from Loop. Oh yeah. And yeah, and Christer and Gabriel organized they, they have a a week at the Rio Vallegos and the fishing was not so good. So they decide to send the clients to do a um, exploratory trip to a new place, you know? So they organized a trip to go to Strawberry Lake, okay? And Gabriel asked the gaucho if they let him in. So they went and fished there. And when they came back, they came with pictures and, and they just couldn't believe it, what mm -hmm. they saw. Okay. So, and, and then uh, Christer said, well, don't say where this place is. Don't yeah. say anything. You know, typical mysteries in this business. <laughs> Let's call it Jurassic Lake. Okay. And that's where the name came from. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So it's like a, a kind of uh, mystery. Like Jurassic, right? The whole Jurassic yeah, Park, yeah. Jurassic don't, Lake. Yeah. Don't say the name after, until we get to a contract or whatever with the landowner. Okay, so that that's where the name came from. Um, so that was in two thousand five, I guess, around that. Okay. Yeah. So next year they start the first camp there. Okay. Um, still reaching, getting to that place was really tough. So it was just like an outcome for for Buitreras guest. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. well, you come to Buitreras and and then I send you to fish a few days on a tent. And, and you know, the the, the Rio Gallegos, the public is more European. You know, European anglers they love that river, mm -hmm. and so so. Most of the of the guests also at Jurassic were from Europe, and and it was not really open for U.S. client hmm. clients. 
at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, European anglers, they are they really don't care so much sometimes about accommodations. So they are fine about going to a tent. You know, yeah. they just want fishing. Um, I'm not saying that U.S. clans are not like that. I mean, but the the yeah. average is like that. You know, so it was okay. It was okay. So so they 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 went to fish for zero browns, and then then they went three days for 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 rainbows. Uh, because really, Europeans they like more sea runs. Yeah, they uh, like the sea runs. Yeah, yeah. So, so when I saw that place, I say, well, this this is this is a, a destination by itself. You know, it's like it, it shouldn't be just an outcome for for yeah for we trade us. You know, so th- and after that, after I guess after I took over the place, it's like the place became more popular and building the roads and and the airstrip we gain access to more public to offer. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you know, our our market is very, very short. So imagine that if I tell you, well, well, but you need to drive 10 hours. Okay. Who yeah. comes? Yeah. You, you, you make that market even uh, shorter and shorter and shorter. <laughs> so yeah. now it's, it's a place where, that where everybody can go and everybody can fish and, and I guess it becomes it became more popular and and I guess now it's one of the most popular brand names in the market and mm-hmm. and and we are very happy about it. And I, I don't I think that almost any angler knows about our brand or heard about it. Yeah, you know? that's true. So. It's true. Yeah, I think everybody and and for me, I remember. Um, always thinking of Tierra del Fuego first. Uh, my dad was down there, did some fishing, you know, and the Sea Run Browns was always, and, you know, something I, you know, was thinking about. And Jurassic, you know, I heard about it like probably later sometime. And, uh, you know, and, and it's just, I mean, just as amazing, right? I mean, you got these huge fish. And are the fish, these steelhead, um, you know, these trout, steelhead trout, whatever that are in the lake. So are people going into the river and like swinging for steelhead just like you would for swinging steelhead up in the like British Columbia? Mm, not so much because it it is not a big river. Oh, okay? right. So it is more like some pocket fishing. You have more pocket fishing. Yeah. So it is it is a creek. Okay, it's not a big big river. It's a creek. You can just you can wade across it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's more like regular trout fishing. You know, you cannot use other techniques. You know, like 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 gotcha. steelhead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. So you're fishing, yeah, you're trout, basically trout fishing, but but again, you're trout fishing for some of these fish that might be up to 15, 20 pounds. Yeah, it is Jurassic, Jurassic fishing. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why the Jurassic, uh, I mean, that's why the name is so good, you know, it's like, because instantly you think of like dinosaurs, you know, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. I was just watching that program, uh, oh God, what was it on? They were... Um, Oh, it was the F3T, you know, the film tour. Uh, I was talking to them. Yeah. I Actually, I have them coming on uh, soon, so the guys oh, good. Th- that run that. We're going to talk. And I was watching some of their videos, and they had this one on Taman, which is the, you know, b- the, pretty much the biggest salmonid in the world. And, and it was just oh. this amazing story about these uh, Far East Kamchatka Taman, right? Yeah. Uh, um, I, I don't know. The more I get into this, it's like you, you're at one of those amazing places. I hope to get down and see you. It would be really cool to meet well, you in yeah. person. <laughs> Well, you had to come. I mean, yeah. invitation is open. Yeah, t- <laughs> Once definitely. Once we get back to normality, you know, because 
uh, I don't know if you know that, but we are still yeah. almost locked. Tell us about that. So, so the COVID, we're still in COVID now. It's like March, mid March, and it's. Uh, I mean, and I, the funny thing is, well, not funny. It's it's terrible for for you know a lot of people. Um, but there have been people that have been traveling. I mean, I've talked to um, like George Cook, for example. I mean, he's uh, you know he's a big name in the fly fit. He's been traveling the whole time, like all through. I mean, he's been. Fit. He said, in fact, he said in 2020, he had like his best year of fishing. Um, but, but for places like you guys for like Canada, I mean, it's, it's still on lockdown, right? Well, I mean, it's, it's funny because people here lives almost the, the regular life, you know, it's like not too much different than before, than before, you know, of, of course, I mean, movies are closed, <clears throat> restaurants have some restrictions, um, and local, local tourism is allowed. Okay? okay, so people are traveling inside the country, okay, but but non-residents are not allowed to come for tourists. You may come to work, okay, with this permission. You may come to work to Argentina as a non-resident, but that's it. That's yeah. it. So so we have a season, but just for local people. I mean, we are very happy to have local people. Uh, it, it is a great. It, it, it was. It is a great opportunity for local people to to visit this place. Uh, but for business, it is terrible because we with that we can only pay for salaries uh, maximum. That's all we can we can pay. That's it. Hmm. I mean, um, and and this situation still continues. I mean, the government is not not talking about opening borders for non-residents. I mean it. They don't even mention that. Wow. You know, it's, uh, I don't know. I'm, we are all, all thinking that, well, there is going to be a 21, 22 season. You know, yeah. we don't even want to think about it. You know, we don't, uh, but it is a possibility that we may not have another season, a next season. It is still a possibility. Yeah. And, as I say, I don't even want to think about it. You no, know? I, no, definitely not. No, I'm. I mean, and next season being so, basically, you guys go through the up until what May, June, and then and then you close it. When do you close it? Typically, when do people? When do you not book trips there? Well, we close on May. In, May. Yeah, we we have many people who likes to fish early May, so we try to close on first or second week of May. I mean, fishing is awesome in May. It's hmm. amazing. But logistically, it's hard because it, it can be – everything gets frozen, like pipelines get frozen. Oh, right. Uh, so it is really hard to to keep the lodge working. And and then you can – it can snow and and you may miss your flight, okay, we, because some, we may have to uh, – so – for those who want to come in May, I say, well, come, no problem. But these are the restrictions that we have. You may not have water at, until noon. Uh, right. And you need to be flexible with your flight, okay? Because if it starts raining, and uh, sorry, if, if it starts snowing, yeah, we may, we may have, to have to delay your 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 flight for another day or something like that. You know, we may have to depart the lodge on the next day. So if people understand that, no problem, because we really, really enjoy fishing in May. Okay. It's awesome. It is mm. awesome. And, 
and we start in October. We start oh, in yeah, yeah, October. The, the, yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay, so, so it is a very yeah. long season. So basically, it's just the mostly the winter. The winter is what keeps you, yeah. You, things are kind of shut down, and then, and then October. So people right now, I mean, well, I guess we're not going to talk. I mean, because COVID, who knows what's going to happen? But in a typical year, you could start fishing, yeah, in October, um, all the way through, all the way through uh, like April. Yeah, yeah, and then it is the longest season in Patagonia. I don't. I think nobody, no other place has such a long season because you know Sierra and Browns is a very short season. It's January, February, and March, just like King Salmons. Yeah, almost the same. And North Patagonia, they start in November. They they have the typical November to April season. You know. Um, so yeah, this is, uh, we are, our season is longer. It's longer. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's cool. What do you do in the, in the off season? Do you kind of just keep things, uh, from freezing sort of say, or do you, do you, do you kind of hold tight around, around there? Or do you go, go somewhere else? <laughs> no, I mean, I, we prepare everything for the next season. We do, we do teamwork and we join the team and we talk about what, what we did well or wrong and and also we we do maintenance um well it's a lot of work during uh, out season you know it's yeah. um uh, the, the, this is so, it's so long like you read you you have clients coming every saturday every saturday every saturday like like you need a time to stop and yeah. and do some maintenance you know sometimes i don't know uh, we, we we have things we have things to do, but we cannot do it because the lodge never stops. You know yeah. that room is being used the, the the whole season. So and and we need a break too. You know we need a break. Yeah. It it is very exciting. You know during the season, uh, but it is a lot of work. A lot of work, like logistically, yeah. especially logistically, it's it's uh, it's hard. So it's okay to have to have a stop. <laughs> yeah. And to have a break. That's right. That's right. Cool. Uh, uh, Carlos, well, let's, uh, I just, we'll just take it out of here. Um, I was just going to ask you, I guess if you had, you know, we're looking at March now in a, in a normal season, if you're out there fishing, what would be a, what would be one fly right now? You'd, you'd, if it was, you know, if you were going out there right now, what would you be casting? Uh, I personally would use a beetle. Oh, a beetle. Cool. Or a mice, a oh, beetle wow. or a mice. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So there's some yeah. some some mouse. This is like the mousing you th- you'd think of up in like Alaska sort of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Now, now yeah. you just opened uh, up a whole other uh, <laughs> a whole other thing. I didn't even realize the mousing was a thing down there. Oh, it's it's great. Mice mice mouse battles. It's great. You have you have a great fish in there, especially uh-huh. in the river. It's amazing. You know? So yeah. The place is full of mice, you know, like like uh, normal uh, yeah. land mice. Uh, that's where the, that's the way you call it. Yep. Um, and especially in March and April, the population gets higher, so trouts are used to eat mice. So Jeez. mice mouse patterns they grow they were great, they were great. I remember once I took a, I took a mice, a living one, and drop it into the water, and uh, you come to five and plop. No way. Gone. Yeah, gone. Wow. So 
So yeah, I mean, it's very similar. I guess it is. I mean, obviously it's south, but it's it's kind of like the Alaska experience, right? I mean, it's similar similar deal where you guys have to shut down in the winter because of the weather. But the summertime, I mean, what is it like as far as, so in March, is it pretty, like, can you get a, a pretty hot day there? Um, you can. I mean, it is, we don't, we really don't think about hot, hot and cold. Okay. You know, what makes a difference, it is the wind. The, the weather is so dry, it's very dry, that it can be like five degrees, sorry. About oh, yeah, yeah, five degrees, yeah, that's three. roughly, um, that's almost freezing, well, yeah, almost freezing, right? It's almost freezing, and but if there is no wind, you can be using a t-shirt, no problem. Oh, wow. No problem. Yeah, yeah, no problem. And it can be 20, okay, 20 which is hot in, in Patagonia for 20. It's yeah. a very good temperature. And if it is windy, you need to, it's going to get colder. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's mainly about the, the, the wind. And, and the, the windiest months are the summertime. Yeah. So January, February are usually the, the wind, the windiest months. Gotcha. So, October, November, December, and back March and April are the calm, the calm days. I mean, it's not a guarantee, okay? It, yeah. Not at all. I cannot promise good weather. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it, you really get used to it. You know, you really get used to it. You, at, at the beginning, it's like a shock. You know, it can be a shock, like, oh, it is windy. Yeah. But then you realize that you can fish. You can go fishing. And you can go to the river and it doesn't make a difference, and and you are fishing for twenty pounders. Who who cares? Yeah. Okay? And 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 you have a whole week. And you may have a a good day and a bad day, um, but you will fish. You will fish a lot. You will fish more than in your life. You know, perhaps. Yeah. Yep. So, and it's about the challenge too. And that's, I mean, and the re- and one of the reasons why trouts are so big is because of the wind. Okay, because the wind oxygenates the water, okay, mm. and moves the water, and that's why that's one of the reasons why there's so so much food into the lake. Oh, wow. So, so the 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 lake needs the wind, and the trout needs the wind. So it's it's a part of the system. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that makes sense. So it's yeah, you gotta. That's a good way to look at it. the wind is is actually without the wind if that was a calm lake you probably wouldn't have these crazy sized fish yeah. and fishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the wind, the amount of food, and it's and the reason why trout are so big is because spawning is not productive in this area. You know, there is only there is only one river that flows, that's the Barrancoso. There is no outlet. So there is only one place trout can spawn. That's in the Barrancosa River. And in order to get to the spawning grounds, which are on the mid and upper section of the river, they need to cross a few small waterfalls. So just oh, a wow. few trouts reach. Yeah, just a few. I mean, maybe 20 the big or something ones. like that. The big ones are making it up yeah. these falls. No, not, I don't, not the big ones, the strongest ones. The strongest you ones, know? yeah. Some trouts are so big, they don't... They, they cannot reach, you know, they cannot reach the upper section. But just a few trouts that reach the mid and upper section, and those are the ones that that spawn and 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 yep. and creates you know, it gives oh, life wow. to the 
again. And, and also, especially in October, November, when the snow starts to melt, in the lower section, when the water goes up, you, you, you have some small creeks, new small creeks that gets full of trouts and suddenly the, the water level drops and trouts get stuck there oh, and wow. die. Oh, geez. Yeah. So, yeah, we collect thousands of dead fish. No trouts. kidding. Th- you collect thousands of dead fish that just die kind of nat- naturally. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what regulates. That's why the oh. system is perfect. Because it's naturally regulated. So oh. you don't have an overpopulation. That's crazy. Yeah. So you don't do, so as far as the fish, I mean, you guys don't do anything. You don't, is this just basically a, a wild population that's, you, you don't do anything for the fish, the, uh, the actual fish? It's completely wild, completely wild. We don't do anything. Wow. That's so, that's so amazing. I mean, that's yeah. like, uh, just shows you the power. Well, it shows you the uh, diversity and uh, resilience of, of trout, mm. of rainbows. Because imagine this, there is another lake close to this lake called the Lago Carriel. And the Lago Carriel used to have fish, trouts, as big as, as the Strobel Lake, okay? as big as them. Um, but the population started to uh, increase and sizes started to decrease. You know why? Because the lake has many, many small creeks where trout spawn. Okay, so spawning is very productive, and the population go, goes up and up and up, and trout start to compete for food. Yeah, it's natural. It's like having cows. You know, yep. and if you have ten cows, you can have ten big cows. If you have a hundred in the same place, you have a hundred small ones or, or thin ones, and it is the same. And this is the reason, the real reason why trouts are so big in 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 Strobel Lake and the Rancos River. It's a combination of the wind, food, and the low pr- uh, productivity of, of the spawning. Yeah, that's cool. And the high mortality. So right. we have exactly. <laughs> <for> exactly. Wow. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, Carlos, I think that's about it. Um, I guess, you know, looking out here now, I, we, like we talked, I mean, hopefully things open back up eventually for you guys and I'll do my best to, to get the word out, and uh, maybe, yeah, maybe we can just keep in touch as you as we move forward here, and, and awesome. uh, yeah, and, and I'll, I'll definitely send some people your way, and, and uh, yeah, thanks for taking all the time today and uh, sharing the the resource, and it sounds like an amazing place. Anything else we want to throw out there that we missed today that you want to touch on? Oh no, no just to invite you to come, you know, and anytime you want to, and that's it. All right. All right, Carlos, well, I'll send, uh, I'll put a link out at um, JurassicLake.com. And uh, yeah, and until we talk again, uh, thanks, and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes with all the links we covered, just go to wetflyswing.com slash 208. We're updating and adding some more uh, value to the member society. You can go to wetflyswing.com slash members to get started for free right now. That's a wrap. That's all I have for you today. Thanks for stopping by the show and uh, hope to maybe catch up with you online or on the river. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.